Welcome to the Disruptors Podcast. I'm Alexandria. And I'm Jasleen. We're here to disrupt the tech industry by connecting diverse job seekers with inclusive organizations where talent from communities that are underrepresented can thrive. Whether you're a job seeker who belongs to an underrepresented group, a tech employer interested in learning how to attract diverse talent, or a diversity, equity, and inclusion champion looking for resources, we have got you covered. Here's to disrupting. Welcome, everybody, to the Disruptors. The future of work is now. I am Alexandria. I am one of the co-founders of the Disruptors, and I have my co-founder, Jasleen, with me. And quick introduction about me. I am a leadership coach. I have been in leadership for over 15 years. I come out of the therapy world originally, fell face first into tech, and then used coaching to bridge that world. We now run the Disruptors, which is a job board that supports people from underrepresented communities to get jobs they can thrive in with companies that are prioritized prioritizing diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm going to turn it over to Jasleen so she can introduce herself. Yeah, so I'm Jasleen. I'm a career coach for mostly women who identify as high potential in the tech space. My background, my educational background is actually in psychology. So I could I could really be selfish and pick Dr. Carrie-Anne's brain um, <laughs> on organizational psych stuff because my undergrad was in IO psych. Nice. And yeah, nice. and so then I worked in corporate HR for 10 years. And I'm excited to be here to talk about this today. Heart-centered approach to your organization. And just as people are joining, maybe just let us know in the chat that you're here and let us know where you're joining from and how cold it is where you are. Because I just want to say, if you think it's cold where you are, it cannot be as cold as where I am right now in Canada. It's going to be minus, it's minus 30 Celsius today. It's going to be minus 36 Celsius tomorrow, which is about minus 32 Fahrenheit. So let us know how cold is it where you are and where are you joining from? And so I'll pass it on over to Dr. Carrie Ann to tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you to this DEIA space. <laughs> Thank you, Jessalyn. Thank you, Alexandra. It is so nice to be with you guys again. Um, I will start off by letting you know I'm in South Florida. So Ooh, much warmer than we are then. Much warmer than where you are. <laughs> it's in the 70s here. <laughs> um, so it's warmer here. But um, yeah, my name is Dr. Carrie Ann Peart, and uh, my pronouns are she, her. They couldn't all fit on the screen in my in my tag, but those are my pronouns. And I got into this DEI space. I tell people I think I've pretty much just been in it my whole life as it pertains to living in the United States. It has been a DEIA adventure <laughs> for the past 20 plus years. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much how I've had to navigate uh, cross-cultural aspects of my identity, um, particularly in the workspace, um, work ethic styles, um, and navigating communication structures and disclosures about who I am and what the, what the value is that I bring to a space given my levels of divergence. So yeah, that's how I got yeah. into it. And I realized, I think I said heart-centered, but it, what I meant was human-centered, so. No <laughs> problem, no problem. So the human that's part of the process, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, human-centered culture that we're really trying to create, yes. and that's really around the inclusion piece. So I know a lot of people get confused because we keep changing the acronyms, but there's always a reason behind why we might add a particular letter to really yes. focus in on something. And so yes. I noticed, um, Dr. Carrie Ann, in your title, you um, are a DEIA specialist, and so yes. we've seen DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. We've seen um, DE, some of us have seen DEIJ, the J being mm -hmm. for justice or DEIB to really focus in on belonging. And so I'm curious, what does the A stand for and what does that mean for you? Right. So for, for the space I'm operating in now, it is talking about accessibility. So fundamentally breaking down access. So it's, it's about how your organization, um, how your organization's culture and dynamic really creates opportunities and access for its staff and professionals working with, um, with the organization to develop 
right? So back to what you were mentioning about the human-centered approach or human-centered design, it's really thinking critically about how spaces allow for individuals with all of their divergence and nuances to develop and grow and thrive via access in the ways that they deem valuable and necessary for them. Mm. So access for me may mean um, being able to sign up for a particular type of coaching program versus access for another colleague of mine may simply mean the type of computer desk that they're going to need to work from, mm -hmm. right? So access spans a spectrum of many things. It's not just getting into an organization, but how you are able to level up and navigate that organization once you're in there. I love that. In my HR experience, I found that we tend, we would focus on the lower performers and the high performers or the high potential employees a lot. And so when you do that, what you're ending up doing is, you know, you're promoting and advancing and giving access to special opportunities to those with the most privilege. And so even when you're looking at DEI from one aspect, either from the recruiting <laughs> point or, you know, in terms of onboarding, et cetera, Right. You have to look at your whole talent pipeline, how you're developing that talent pipeline, and yes. who has access to the resources yes. at each stage of that pipeline. And Correct. so I love that you focus in on that A um, to really understand, not just from people from the point of view of the underrepresented group of folks who have disabilities or who are differently yeah. abled, right. but also from, you know, if you are Black, Indigenous, person of color, a woman, um, any sort of marginalized group, LGBTQ plus, mm -hmm. what limitations are there in the organization or what sort of invisible rules or invisible mm -hmm. blockers exist yep. to those resources? Yeah. So yes. love that focus. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your work and what a human first workplace even is. Like, how would you define that? Mm. Sure. So one of the posts I remember um, making some time back on LinkedIn, you know, when you randomly just have a thought, you're like, this should be a LinkedIn post. <laughs> I had um, a little blog post up and I, based on the work I was doing at the time, recognized that DEI work is really coming back to the humanity aspect of who, you know, who we are, how we are, why we are in all of the spaces that we're navigating, not just work. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, this, this human-centered, human-designed type of focus is fundamentally acknowledging the fact that at our core, when we strip everything away, human is what we're dealing with. Human is what we're talking about. Um, human is what we are supporting right? And tapping into. So when, when a lot of people say to me, um, you know, DEI doesn't involve me. It doesn't involve me. I'm a straight person. I'm a man. I'm white and whatever kind of thing. I'm like, yeah, but at the end of the day, you're human. Correct? <laughs> it's like, oh, yes. So just fundamentally being human mm -hmm. and all of the wonderful assets and strengths and gifts and talents, because I always try to come from this asset-based side of things instead of the deficit-based side of things, which we've focused on for far too long in our societies, and think about, all right, great, you're human. What are the experiences that you've had? And how have those experiences taught you something, helped to support you in something or someone else that we can then lean into as assets to create these dynamic um, and culturally responsive work environments mm. and social settings. So it's really leaning into the human side of things because we have, um, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, for instance. We all have those needs, regardless of age, religion, nationality, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So fundamentally focusing on the human is the way that I push for this work to be done mm -hmm. in DEI um, and DEIA, J, B, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, but because that's the most common 
element when we whittle everything else away that's the most common element mm -hmm. and so that is what um i champion for yeah in moving the work so yeah i love it. that i love that da work is coming back to humanity yeah. and i feel yeah. like in a way that's so liberating whether you're an underrepresented group or you are someone in the system that is has the most privilege and was given the most benefits because sometimes even when you are privileged that gives you permission mm. to be a human and not be a robot in the workplace because the old style of leadership the command right. and control yes. has been proven scientifically and i know you can you can attest to that has been proven scientifically not to work for anyone mm -hmm. not <laughs> underrepresented groups. So this human centered approach, this permission of, you know, DEI is really about coming back to humanity. Mm -hmm. it's, it, it's just such a bigger calling in that way. I love right. it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the first thing that's forgotten about too often, right? Like we forget that we're humans. And I think that it happens so often in the tech space because there is so much computerized language and that's mm -hmm. normalized in refer referring to one another. I don't have the bandwidth for this or um, I need to recharge like I'm a battery. And like how that affects how we even perceive ourselves, let alone how we perceive others. Yes. And yes. just the yeah dismantling of humanity that comes in and how easy it is to then treat people as computers versus yes. them and the failure in that as a leader the plugging in and the plugging out which i just started this series on i forget what network it's on but it's called severance mm -hmm. i i invite you guys to check out that that series because it 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 is sort of a metaphor i don't want to spoil anything in the show but it is really sort of a metaphor for how we plug into work and plug out yeah. as if you aren't human. Yeah. And so yeah. it's really coming back to that humanity. Yeah. 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 And it's, it. it's funny um, that we say that because I was just earlier, I was talking to, to Alexandra about the fact that people don't even realize how traumatized they are. Mm, yes. And that is that those are the groups of folks, particularly in the professional space that I um, am working with. Yes. Like, do you recognize that you have been or currently are going through yes, a yes. experience at work, that your workspace is toxic, that your workspace's challenges are not conducive to your well-being? Mm -hmm. And people are like, but this is just work. That's how it's supposed to be. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. That normalization of trauma and what has been normalized as acceptable just because it is doesn't mean it should be. should be. And being able totally. to challenge that and be like, hey, but like as a human, I need this. Correct. Or as a human, I see that this person is struggling or they need extra right. support. Right. And being able to show up in that humanity mm -hmm. and prioritize mm -hmm. those needs so that we can get back to work and we yeah. can produce and we can thrive in a space because we do that's what we want as humans right yeah. we want to Absolutely. be valuable we want to produce Absolutely. we want those things Absolutely. but yeah. we have to be in a space yeah. in which we can yes and I think it goes back to what we're, we've always been saying every Wednesday which is DEI really comes back to your why and so I think it's really hard for people to really to to identify their why Yes. when they haven't healed from the trauma that they right. aren't even aware that they went through. Yes. And I can attest to this because being in the corporate world for almost a decade, there was a lot of relational trauma. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of, but I was in the HR space. And so mm -hmm. we, we were the people, people mm -hmm. we were the ones who were, who were really trying our best for everyone to make it an inclusive organization. And I worked for one of the best you know, companies, in my opinion, still looking back at really walking the talk in those spaces. Mm -hmm. But even when you're doing that, if you don't have the right leadership in place from a business standpoint, if it's not integrated with the business, yes. if people haven't healed yes. from their own trauma, because there are still things now, like 15 years later that I'm unpacking and thinking, oh my goodness, I've internalized that. And now I have to unpack it, process it, heal it, so that I can be more productive 
not just so that we can be, you know, like get back to our roots of just, you know, not focusing on just work, but it it really helps us connect to our purpose and, and why we show up to work or if we're in the right role, because as a leader, you don't want your employees to be in the wrong role. That right role piece. Oh, I I could talk for days about the right role piece. What I, what cringes for me when I look at certain things in the space um, and people are applying for jobs or job descriptions because I have to vet those too when it comes to creating organizational culture and the wording of these things and this whole concept of being the right fit mm. annoys me. It re- <laughs> And I'm just going to use annoyance as the polite thing in the audience. <laughs> But it really gets me kicking, you know, um, because there, this whole idea of you pitching your organization in a way that now requires me to think about me being the fit for your organization, I think starts the whole minimization process, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, okay, well, this feels okay for me in this job description. This, this looks okay over here but I'm not okay with this part. Does that mean I'm not the right fit? Right. You know, what, what, what is, what is the, why the lack of inclusivity? Yes. That organizations are not willing to say, here's what we stand for. Yada, yada, yada. Um, Here are the requirements. Please apply with it. You know, are you interested? Apply with it. What does this need to say? If you think you're the right fit, come on. And, and that, yes, and that's why one of my pet peeves is when people overcomplicate the yeah. hiring process, right? Mm-hmm. That's one of the things we're, we're, we're out here to do is really simplify it because Correct. the ego becomes so involved. There's so involved. Again, has been scientifically studied the idiosyncratic rater effect. Yep. That rating says more about you as a human than it does about the fit. And the that when we focus right. on fit, what we're really saying is, you need to sacrifice your authenticity Thank and hold you. yourself Thank to my you. idiosyncratic, you. Yep. you know, little quirks, little ways of working, right. all these kind of things. But also the business ends up suffering because now I have a disengaged employee. Mm-hmm. Now I have mm-hmm. someone who's now dealing with maybe anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. calling in sick, who's not showing up for work. And then comes in the command and control again with, Okay, well now I gotta rein it in, and we gotta we gotta start penalizing people for calling. Yeah. We gotta yep. start laying people off and scaring them and into doing their job, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. it's just not the way in twenty twenty. Not the way. It's yeah. not the way. It, it's and there are certain things that I tell people are um, setup phrases. You know, setup words. It's it's a word mm-hmm. or phrase that's about to set you up for failure. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Right fit is one. Um, we're a family is another one. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yes. We're them out there. Um, that we go to. One last point before you guys. We have no boundaries, really. That's what that is. We have no boundaries. Yes. One yeah. last point I want to make on this point around workplace trauma. I think uh, Harvard Business Review or Forbes, I can't remember who it was, mm-hmm. launched um, an article a few weeks ago about it taking 22 months for someone to recover from a single work yeah. trauma experience. Mm-hmm. And when you think about that, as you're saying, Jessalyn, there's still things that you're unpacking when you're now, you know, yeah. however many years from a particular event. Yeah. And when you think about how people are moving from job to job just so they can keep up with paying the bills, et cetera, and never really processing through a particular workplace trauma event, because we're only talking about one event, mm-hmm. yep. much less the compounded events yeah. of, of traumas in a workplace, it lends to a lot of the things that we're now like all of a sudden surprised about when we talk about the great resignation, mm-hmm. high levels of burnout, um, issues around the suicide rates going up across different mm-hmm. populations. Yes. You know, it, a lot of this stuff is starting from work. Yes, Our work yeah. are not safe. <laughs> just not. So it, I did want to throw that out for folks yeah. to really think about what you are feeling in your workspace and how you keep telling yourself, 
Yeah. I just have to pay the bills. I just have to push through, you know. Yeah. Because yeah. that is keeping you in survival mode. Correct. And you cannot heal until you move to thriving mode. Correct. Correct. And right. that has been my experience. Any yes. sort of trauma I've had, whether at work or in my personal life, yes. the anxiety or the depression or whatever came after it yes. didn't happen until everything was safe. Absolutely. Yeah. Likewise. Once I felt safe, that's when everything everything just kind of hit the fan. And I yes. said, what? I'm through it now. I did it. I'm yes. safe now. Right. Right. So why is it that now, and so, so many people, when they're stuck in that survival mode, the only way, and I think this kind of speaks to my next question, which is about the red flags. And so maybe one of the red flags is burnout, Yep. Mm -hmm. right? So look up those symptoms of burnout, right? Mm -hmm. If you're burning out as a leader first, mm -hmm. that's a red flag. If employees are calling sick, if employees are, and so what do you think, Dr. Karian, what are some of the other symptoms or red flags, because we're looking at this as a system. And I, that's why I love your area of research, your area of work, because we're not just looking at the individual or the yeah. individual, the interpersonal relationships. We're looking at the organization mm -hmm. as them living in a broader mm -hmm. culture. Mm -hmm. And so when we're looking at it really from that broader lens, what are some of those red flags or symptoms that people are seeing on the surface? Yeah, so what you see on the surface from an organizational standpoint when things are just not um, running so smoothly and people are going to be like, no, but that's a norm. <laughs> Having too many meetings mm -hmm. is a sign of systematic failure. <laughs> it's like, yeah. glitch, glitch, Houston, we have a problem. Um when you have an organizational culture where it's a meeting every striking day back to back and this kind of thing, poor management, poor leadership structures are at play, mm -hmm. right? And a lot of people will be like, but that's normal. Here's what that then lends to when you're thinking about how I as an individual function in those environments. I don't eat lunch. Mm -hmm. I forget mm -hmm. to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. I may be having upset stomach on the way to work, those anxiety knots, mm -hmm. right? I have these incessant migraines that are happening. Um, I'm now missing days at the gym. I'm out of shape. It manifests in so many ways that it is not even cute. I can't even, I can't decorate this for folks. Mm -hmm. right? um, even with it, another sign within organizations. So those two excessive meetings, it's like a no-no. Um, when you also see to the point of access, when you, you, you noted, Jacqueline, earlier about certain people getting the access versus others on a consistent basis with these half-assed justifications, another red flag. Mm -hmm. Houston, we have some serious problems. Um, You'll also recognize too in some organizations the ways in which leadership itself is made up. Right? When you look at the quote unquote leadership tier, what those folks look like, because we're we're highly visual, right? How those individuals engage each other on that tier and engage those not in that tier or the lack thereof engagement. <laughs> other things that should flag for you that these folks aren't walking the talk. Because remember, black and white can communicate all sorts of stuff all day. But when you're in the space and you're, you're seeing and feeling the operations of things and it's not matching up, some flags, some real flags. I always tell people three things. What does it look like for you, sound like for you, and feel like for you? Mm-hmm. And if you are cringing at all of those, it's a, it's a moment where you need to think about how to pivot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Like all those are definitely red flags. And the thing that I want to say about the meetings specifically is you can have meetings, but they need to be effective meetings. And if you're having meetings about having meetings, you're not having effective meetings. You're not communicating effectively. You don't have clear outcomes and you don't have the structure in place to actually make them 
actionable. And so noticing how many meetings are we having? Do we have to have these meetings? Could it have been an email? I think that's an important question. (laughs) If you say, oh, well, I couldn't have effectively communicated that over an email. Okay. Is there a communication problem? Is there an understanding problem? Are you measuring the right things? How do you know if you had the impact? Mm -hmm. And reevaluating what does an effective meeting look like and feel like within your organization? Correct. Mm. One that I'd like to add to is, are you in a, in a mindset where you're having to revert to command and control leadership? Or are you leveraging human psychology and what helps us thrive? Mm-hmm. I want to lean into that. I really appreciate you bringing that up because in some other um, conversations and workshops that I do, I talk about leadership versus management. Mm-hmm. Remember, I used to, and I remember teaching this too when I, when I was lecturing as a professor. And folks would, <laughs> would conclude that, oh, we don't actually have many leaders. And I'd be like, yeah, you're right. Leaders are folks who inspire and are able to um, activate inner leaders in others, Mm -hmm. right? They are individuals who create a level playing field so that the nuances, the assets of individuals can be seen, valued and activated for whatever level of execution of work needs to be done, Mm -hmm. right? Those, Those are leaders. Leaders activate, give vision, give inspiration. Yes. And work with, work alongside. Mm-hmm. Yes. right managers it's this tug of war right yes. they are telling you the command as you're saying um Jessaline, they're telling you this is what needs to be done and they're pulling you along to do it mm-hmm. and people think that that's leadership that's not leadership right that's not it mm-hmm. um a, a lot of good leaders go unrecognized because they're part of the pack. They're not separate from. And I, and I think the ways in which our, many of our organizations have been structured, we, when we say the word leader, we're thinking the person on top. Mm. And I, dare I say that that person is really just a poster child? Mm-hmm. And anybody? Yeah. It depends on the organization. Like, how are they showing up as a leader? Are they showing up? As a leader, which means that they are empowering everyone around them to show up in their strengths and in their ads, right? And that's, again, the conversation about, oh, be a fit versus be an ad, because you want to be able to cultivate a full spectrum of strengths and being aware of what you don't have. And your team should then fill that, right? Everybody has an ad that they can give. And so are you a poster child? Are you playing at being a leader because you hold that title and you're like, Oh, I have the title. That's good enough. Right. Or are you showing up in leadership and creating opportunities for everybody around you to grow and to show up in their strength and their knowledge and be able to be innovative and Mm -hmm. collaborative? Yeah. Are you showing up in upholding their humanity and what they add to the organization? And And I want to into that, um, Alexandra, as you're saying that showing up and doing these things and cultivating and activating and inspiring, the word is consistently. Yes. Mm. And not defaulting to, okay, I've done it now. Now I can go back on top and, you know, tell them this. Yeah. I, I just wanted to say something about the poster child, because I don't want if you're a leader who's also an underrepresented group, mm-hmm. you don't need to feel guilty about that because you might be ready to show up and be consistent and remove barriers. Mm-hmm. But you can be the poster child in yeah. the sense that, yes, I got to this management level. So now this was the only way I was going to get a pay raise. 
Right. Because, you know, in pyramid organizations, you're an individual contributor, whether you're an engineer, whether you're another sort of tech focused person, you realize at a certain point, I'm not going to get more money unless I become a leader. And so they're the people who come into those positions for those reasons. And then there are the tokenized. And again, we're not trying to offend anybody, but if this is your experience and you feel like you've been tokenized, because I have a lot, I'm passionate about this because a lot of my clients are female, like women leaders. And so they've been put in positions where they're supposed to be strategic, where they're supposed to be leading a lot of people management. And and a lot of the women are trying to do this, this proper type of leadership where a meme that comes to my mind is you're not a leader until you've created a leader who can create another leader who can create another leader, right? It's not about you always having to be present. That's the ego-based leadership. I have so many clients who are doing all the right things and Mm -hmm. and working on their personal development, Mm -hmm. no matter what, if they're outnumbered in the room, they're the first of their group to be in the room and they happen to have different values and different identities and, and, different ways of communicating, different culture, et cetera. And they're trying to bring that lens to a leadership team that has been operating the way it's been operating for decades, right? And like just inheriting the same problems as the previous generation. It can be really hard because I have a lot of underrepresented clients who are at director level and they have been told, you are VP potential, you are senior whatever potential. But they're like, I don't know if I want to do it. I know I can do it. I know I'm talented enough to do it. But right. nobody's taking me seriously. I'm having to work twice as hard. I'm have to. Pre- I have to perform again and again and again. Where my male colleague or yeah. white colleague is automatically just given free reign to do whatever they want. Yep. Where I have to bring in all this data, and it's just not always fair. And so. Mm-hmm. If you're feeling like you have been made the poster child or you're like trying to post as you know a manager because you haven't been given the leadership training you know you can come to us for one we're we're all in the space and we can help you understand what the level levers are for change in your unique situation because it's always different right and so and sometimes it means leaving right yes yes (laughs) Sometimes people aren't ready to hear it and sometimes it takes a while, but often it is about positioning you for somewhere, an organization where you will thrive. And that's why we're working on both ends here at Disruptors to help people understand where the barriers, where the biases are so they can get to work, but also help organizations understand you're hiring diverse talent. You need to understand really what DEI means, not just for these underrepresented groups, but for everyone. So we're bringing human to the heart of what we do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Remaining in that human centeredness and why it's important and I guess making the business case for it, right? Because we're still in that space in which we have to make the business case that this is important and not just the right thing to do. Having innovative, diverse, like having diverse teams creates innovation, creates sustainability, creates all of the things that companies want for themselves and creating those environments in which you are empowering all of your leadership team then empowers all of their teams. And you can do wonderful, beautiful things, mm-hmm. but that's where you have to start catching the bias, which yeah. is why we're doing whole series next month on catching bias in the interview process, catching bias within your organization and your favorite, Dr. Carrie Ann, we're going to talk about looking for culture ad, not culture fit. Mm-hmm. And hey. <laughs> so if that's something that you think might be happening at your organization, make sure you yeah. join us next month. Yeah. But I want to move into we talked about the red flags and symptoms. How could you correct those? What would be some easy things that people could do to start correcting when they see those red flags showing up in their organization? Yeah, sure, sure. So I'll start with the individual first. So things like the the headaches, the um, the fatigue, the not being interested, all the things that people go through, which are then lead up to the a diagnosis of burnout or a diagnosis of something else which can actually be very severe, um, right? Because people get so sick and don't realize that they're getting sick. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and I've had personal experience with that, uh, given my work environments. So you have those those pieces really leaning into the opportunity to take the mental health days, mm -hmm. using your sick time, right? A lot of us try and bank up sick time or try and bank up vacation so you can have a big blowout two weeks of some time. And then you have two weeks in a whole year and then have to come back and sit for a whole another year before you can, like, think about the utility of that. Mm -hmm. um, really leaning into the opportunities that you have to use other time. And I know for some organizations, it takes forever to rack up vacation time, mm -hmm. but um, figuring out how to take time out um, for yourself is, is, is critical. I would even push people to really, and I'm saying push because a lot of people are sitting and, and just kind of Oh, I'll get to it. I'll wait and see. And that phrase, wait and see, I cannot. Mm. Another, another one that really just, oh. Mm. <laughs> um, there, there are coaches out here. You have three sitting right in front of you, right here, right? Pick one, <laughs> right? Pick one and run with a coach. Go, you do not have to be doing these things alone. You don't have to create your professional mm. track plan alone. I tell people all the time, have a professional strap plan. That's something I work with people on. Um, like that one right there, whether you are a job seeker who's moving into right. something or an individual contributor, or you're a leader of a team who needs yes. support doing this and you don't have it in your organization, there are tons of supports outside of your organization. Like you're not alone. You yeah. can Google it. There's three right here. We'll make it super easy for you, but get the support you need. Get I think that's support. super important. It's there's so much support out there, so much support. Mm -hmm. um, I would then for organizations mm -hmm. that are just you know having all these meetings of the, like really take stock, do a cultural audit. Yeah, do a cultural audit mm -hmm. to, to, to the points that were made earlier. What is, what are, what are these meetings benefiting us? How is there work that actually is done after the meeting? Um, you know, are people feeling empowered and inspired after these meetings mm -hmm. or is it just another roll eyes? Okay. Let me just go to this again to hear what we talked about six months ago and no traction has been developed. Yes. You know, like, what are we really meeting for? Yeah. Um, and I would even challenge organizations to think about creative and dynamic ways to meet, mm -hmm. you know, there being now more so in a virtual space, a lot of organizations have had to think about how they can get the information that they need mm -hmm. without having formal meeting structures. Mm -hmm. Something that a lot of, of um, folks need to think through a little bit more that you don't need to have this hour block of a conversation. Yeah. Sometimes it could be you know, having an open room on Zoom for people to drop in during a lunch break and say, hey, here's a thought about something, get idea. It can be very informal. Yeah. More conducive to hearing people's yes. assets than the Yeah. I think that's where some people get confused too, because when they hear the advice of, okay, don't have a meeting for no reason. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that you are then packing your meetings with a yeah. like a like overwhelming agenda right, yeah. because yeah. you also have to have intentional meetings Correct. where there is deliberate space. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. if you're creating a deliberate space to check in from a cultural audit perspective mm -hmm. and it's quiet, that is a red flag that, you know, a topic that I know Dr. Kirian, you're very passionate about is that you don't have psychological safety. Don't have it. You don't have because it. Employees have in the past brought things up and felt dismissed, felt right. invalidated, right. were punished even mm -hmm. for bringing it up, being mm -hmm. seen as not a team player, someone mm -hmm. who asks too many questions, someone who challenges the status quo too much, mm -hmm. um, not playing the game, mm -hmm. not playing the game that wasn't designed for them to begin with, by the way, but not playing the game. <laughs> Right. And so people get deflated and that's where they get into like this sort of quiet quitting trend where yeah. it's a trend it's been yeah. around forever. People yes. disengaging from work forever. We just have a new word for it. Just new word for it. That's when they disengage and say, I don't feel safe here. And, but I need a paycheck. 
Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to try to st- hang on to my job. Right. And yeah. maybe they're taking care of their mental health on side. Maybe they're not. Yeah. But don't put it all on your employees to say, okay, because this, I've seen this happen in my previous corporate days where mm-hmm. leaders will say, use your vacation, use your vacation, yeah. use your vacation. But you're looking at your agenda and you're looking at all the deliverables you have yes. for your end. And you're like, but if I use my vacation, I'm not going to, like, you know, when we're looking at synchronous work, I'm not going to be able to get these stakeholders. I'm not going to be able to deliver on this. My merit increase is going to be lower. My bonus is going to be lower. And I really want that money so I can go on that vacation because I feel so burnt out. It's a cycle. It's a cycle. And this is what I'm saying. Organizations, when when they really take stock of their structure, half the time, if not more, it's a setup. It's a trap. It is a trap. And I want to talk about the radical responsibility that the leadership team needs to hold in. If your people aren't taking vacation, if your people are burned out, if your people aren't communicating, if they are disengaged, leadership did something wrong. Absolutely. You have to start with leadership because you're the one creating that structure. Talk about the companies. Like there's so many tech companies, unlimited PTO. Okay. You have unlimited PTO, but do people actually get to be off on their PTO? Do you actually have a structure in which people can take that PTO and disengage or are they expected to work on their PTO and vacation? Do you have a required minimum because we have such Mm -hmm. a culture of work in the United States Mm -hmm. that people won't take it if they're not forced to. And so what are you holding in responsibility as the leader for how your teams are showing up? Because it starts with you. Yeah. And and how is what you're saying? Like take your vacation. We, we value work-life balance. How is that misaligned to what you're doing? Yes. Oh gosh. Because you might be saying that, but you're working late at night, sending emails at 11 PM, booking, you know, early morning check-ins and doing all this to create that, Mm-hmm. that workflow mm-hmm. for one but also as the model leader people are seeing watching you they they know that if they want to get to your level that's one of the reasons why I opted out of the corporate world because I was just not I could not find role models mm-hmm. I, yeah, I just, representation I matters yeah. all these things and so especially when I became a mom I was like no, I got twins. I'm not bringing my double breast pump to the the site and like, you know, male dominated environment. And some people did do that and people were walking in on them and we didn't, you know, in our, in our corporate office, we had a room for that, but like at the site we didn't. And so there were all these things that it was just like, like the world kept telling me I don't fit in here. Yeah. You believe them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's, Again, I don't mean to be rude or insulting, but it's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> and so well, let's, let's it. shift it's to a, a crap. positive note. <laughs> let's shift to a positive note. Uh, so what we are here to do is to help you. Yes. Instead of creating a trap, yeah. deliberately creating a system where everyone thrives. Yes. We're human centered. So we're inviting you in to reimagine. Yes. Because I have seen like organizations or parts of businesses where the morale was super low Mm -hmm. and a good leader did step in and was able to create systemic change. Right. Right. And like, and one of the most inclusive leaders that comes to my mind was a white male. Mm -hmm. And he just, it was in, and, and he, he's the one who really um, embodied that Maya Angela quote for me, which is people will forget what you said, oh. they'll forget what you did, but yeah. they'll really remember how you made, how them, you feel. made them feel. Mm-hmm. And he was that for me when he was present in a meeting, when he was like, you just felt that he was there. You yeah. felt that he was listening to you. You felt that he cared on a mm-hmm. deep level, that mm-hmm. he knew you. He was really trying to get to know you, the human yeah. behind yeah. the title. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's what we're here to do. We're here to help you become those inspiring yeah. leaders. But guess what? You don't have to work as hard either. <laughs> you don't have to, that's, yeah. that's the beauty of it. You don't have to work yeah. as hard. If you do it right, you put your time down to half. <laughs> you really do. You need to get there, but once you're there, everything becomes easier. Yes. 
Yeah. I think that's super important to highlight because so many people don't want to engage in this work because it feels like extra work. It feels like piling mm -hmm. on. Like I already can't keep up with all these things. How am I supposed to do this? If you create a space in which your team is thriving and showing mm -hmm. up and engaged, mm -hmm. it's not as heavy of a lift, right? Every time you have to move in, have to, quote unquote, you don't have to ever move mm -hmm. into that power and control, something went off the rails, Something yeah. went wrong. There's an opportunity to resolve the thing that is causing you to think you have to micromanage. Right. And so go back. Like what happened? Check yeah. in with the humans. What do they need? What are their bottlenecks? What are their obstacles? Yeah. Yeah. And then remove them. That's way easier than trying to just push people past burnout. Like it's not going to work. And I can tell you as a career coach, most of these people have good intentions. Okay. And the thing that they need to thrive is usually so easy it's free <laughs> right like we we like cost effective like solutions. free yeah like usually free. free right if, if people are asking for raises and all these kind of things that's just a symptom that the system is broken as well mm -hmm. you don't have to because like that's one of the reasons i left hr is because we were just so always focused on compensation but the reason we were so focused on compensation is because people needed justification for why they were sacrificing their life for right. the yeah yeah. Right. And Absolutely. so when you were truly happy and connected to your work, you're not complaining about salary anymore. You're like, you know what? I've mm -hmm. seen it companies and mm -hmm. I am happy here. And I know I can take my time off. I know I can have the lifestyle I want. Right. And so that extra $20,000 doesn't matter to yeah. me. Anymore. Yeah. And I mean, not for some people, but for others it does. And I think that that's the importance of the, what inclusion means mm -hmm. to people or mm -hmm. even equity means to people, because that's not the same thing for everybody. Mm -hmm. Different people are going to have different checklists of right. what exactly. being included means to them. Exactly. They have different needs, different desires. And I think normalizing that not every company can be for every person and not every person can be for every company. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. There is plenty to go around. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's okay. But if you notice that your company is all white men, for example, not, not to pick on, on y'all, we love you. But, <laughs> but if you notice that- If you notice that. Then it's- So I'm saying. Your company's not for everyone, but if you're saying your company is not for people who are underrepresented, then think about how that's impacting your business as well. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Because if, you're, if, you're, if you don't want your, if you want your customers to be different, you wanna go into new markets you don't understand, you're going to need diversity to really understand the pain points. Right. And also like, it's, it's something that can, I mean, this is not your, this shouldn't be your why, but it's something that can get you in trouble down the road. It can mm -hmm. be a people crisis. It can be um, a marketing crisis. Mm -hmm. It can be. And so, you know, it's 2020, it's almost 2023. And so I'm already in 2023, by the way, I think I said that a couple of times, but <laughs> Might as well be. Right. Out in 2022. But it's 2023. And like, that's it. It's this make this the year that you really show up intentionally. Yes. That's that's the part that um, uh, leadership needs to understand is the intention needs to be good. It needs to be a whole. I'm not going to say pure. I'm not going to yeah. say that. Mm -hmm. The intention needs to be wholesome and authentic. Yeah. Because a lot of times it is, oh, you said I need to diversify so I can get into other markets. That's not a good intention. No. That motivation right there, that's not a, no, no, no. Um, yeah. You should be serious about getting into other markets because your service yep. is going to support and elevate something, not just because of your benefit and wanting to make yeah. you know, better bottom lines, mm -hmm. but the intention needs to be authentic mm -hmm. and wholesome. Because mm -hmm. um, one of the questions I really like to um, ask my clients when it comes to this, like finding their authentic why or their passion for DEI mm -hmm. or their passion for whatever it is that they're doing, whether it's an underrepresented group they're trying to help, mm -hmm. is what really breaks your heart? Mm -hmm. Like what is really breaking your heart? Like when it comes to DEI, right? And how does your business? help to solve these problems. problems. Right, right. In, in whatever ways, like get creative, but really start from what 
authentically you will because th that's the thing you need motivation to stay on the path mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and motivation cannot be manufactured right neither can connection mm -hmm. so that question too for me really is asking what is how do you see yourself as connected to or a part of mm -hmm. diversity yes. equity, and inclusion because some people will answer and say well since dei is a practice or an approach here's what I think, mm -hmm. right? Completely void of any connection. Mm -hmm. mm. Like I said before, DEI is getting back to the human mm -hmm. of our, since it's in the workspace of our workspaces, right? Mm -hmm. So if you get certain, and, and then, you know, you know, certain answers that you get, you're like, yeah, this person doesn't even recognize that they are, they are DEI. Mm -hmm. Yes. And they're not even paying attention to it. Or they think of it, their, their knee-jerk reaction is to think of racism and to yes. say, yeah. I'm not racist. I'm not racist. <laughs> it's like, oh, God. No you one said anything about race. You might be not racist, but you we all have internalized racism within yeah. us. Because we all grew up in a racist society. Right? right? Like, that is just a fact. Yeah. And yeah. so, and I've said this before, it's really about aligning looking at what your similarities are to the mm -hmm. system of mm -hmm. racism mm -hmm. and, and not to feel guilty about your privilege, no. but understand that things, some things, right. like we all have challenges in life, but some things were easier for you. And to please also recognize that privilege is a di is divergent. Like it's what your privilege is mm -hmm. doesn't mean that I don't have the same or similar. Yes. Right. It's intersectional. Yeah. Right. There, there, there are differences to privilege because I think in America, particularly when we think about the standard of privilege being white privilege, yes. in some cases, I would never want that. Yep. I'm good not having that standard. I have other things that are privileges for me yep. that, people can't, that white people may not have. So, you know, yep. I think we need to also recognize that there's a lot of spectrum in what we're talking about and how we need to operate yep. and um, what we need to value and honor in that, again, the difference and, and, and levels of continuity and different intersectionalities. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, because then we're not painting a, a group with a broad brush either and right. saying, okay, because then when people start thinking from that perspective, everyone in this group is marginalized, mm -hmm. you start it's again that superiority that 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 um, power dynamic yeah. where you are now speaking down to someone or being overly sensitive right. and then and right. then and then that group you you know that you're being treated differently and so and also for 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 myself like I'm a woman of color but I recognize that I have a lot of privilege. And yes. so I, I understand what it's like to be specifically an Indian woman in a way like, you know, that no one else of any other group can understand. Right. But right. at the same time, I, I have proximity to power in mm -hmm. a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I might have got there. You know, my, my journey here might have been a little bit different than others. Right. But doesn't mean like we just say okay these people are not privileged these people are privileged right. it's no. intersectional no. Yeah. yeah and i think the thing right there in what you're talking about earlier dr carrie ann is acknowledging your connection to it right you can't begin to heal something you can't begin to work on something or to grow in something yeah. until you acknowledge Large. what is there or mm -hmm. isn't there right mm -hmm unchecked mm -hmm. bias exists because it's not been checked. You're not aware of what's happening. So until you can connect to what is my connection to diversity, equity, and inclusion, how do I show up on this and stop talking about it? Like it's something external to you. We won't be able to make moves in big ways. So once people yeah. start connecting to, okay, this is how this shows up for me, right. then people yeah. can start to see beyond their own noses and making right. systemic change that needs yeah. to happen. Yes. Mm -hmm. So how are you connected to DEI as a human first? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you are a human, you're not a robot. How are you connected to DEI? And so on that note, that might be one question you can take away from today as a leader or even as an underrepresented group watching this. Yeah. How are you uniquely connected, connected to DEI? Yeah. What is your 
What, where are your barriers? Where is your, like, I, I draw from standpoint theory a lot. Like what are, mm -hmm. what can you see that nobody else can see? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so we all think we have to be experts in this to start the work, but no, you have a unique lens. Yeah. There's something you can see that yeah. none of us on this panel can even see right now. And right. you can share with us. Yeah. And, and so, so start with how are you connected to DEI? What else, are, Dr. Carrie Ann, am I maybe missing when we think about an easy place for people to start that might be, you know, low effort, high impact? Of course, mm -hmm. we mentioned connecting with a coach, connecting with someone in this yeah. space to help help you understand where your gaps are, understand what goals you need to set. But what else might be the low hanging fruit? That where people can start to see changes right away. Yeah, I think if you start with just those three things that I talked about earlier, mm -hmm. how you feel, yeah, how do things sound to you, and how do things look to you, mm -hmm. right? Like taking a personal kind of stance and how what do those things look, sound, and feel like now, and then how do you want them to look, sound, and feel like? in true practice, in true application. Yes. Right. Of, of things that are, that are inclusive of things that are, um, actually psychologically safe. Yes. Um, because I think we're doing a good job with the diversity stuff. We've mm -hmm. done pretty good with having diverse things. Great. We're still, the equity is a little shaky mm -hmm. and inclusion really isn't there yet. Mm -hmm. Things are, are really not, as inclusive as they think they are. Yeah. Um, because for me, inclusivity, a big part of that is a psych safety. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's not happening. Um, accessibility is happening in yeah. many places. And again, it depends on the capacity of the organization. Yeah. What they're able to do in-house versus connect um, outside for certain development or um, resourcing. So those are, th that one, I think, you know, just... Um, I like your point about where do you connect? Where can you connect mm -hmm. right now? Where do you see yourself um, looking at things differently? And then those three points, the yeah. look, sound, feel now and what you would like it to, to look, yeah. sound, and feel like. Yeah. I love I like that, that forward really great look. vision. Yes. Yeah. 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 So as we close out today, uh, if you are a employer or a company or on a leadership team and some of these red flags showed up as you're like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, the, yes, call Dr. <laughs> Carrie Ann. You can also call Jasmine and I. We are doing a free DEI evaluation for companies right now. So head over to our website, jobdisruptors.com and click on I'm hiring and you can fill out our questionnaire and we'll be in contact with you. If you are a job seeker and you are looking for companies that are prioritizing diversity, equity, and inclusion, and go over to jobdisruptors.com and click on hire me, and you can sign up for our job board. We have a whole bunch of really interesting positions that are listed right now that we're trying to get filled for companies that are great places to work. So don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can also follow us here so that you can get notifications of everything happening. And next month, we will be diving into unpacking bias and being a culture ad and not a culture fit. So make sure that you watch out for those uh, events upcoming. Dr. Karian, is there anything that you would like to share before we go? Sure. Folks can um, reach out to me as well as they please. Um, ParrotConsultingLLC.org is where you can find me um, or on Instagram. You know, everybody has to have an Instagram these days. Dr.Carrie underscore P is where I am. But um, yeah, I'm available. And LinkedIn, definitely find me on LinkedIn. I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn nonstop. So folks can connect with me there. And um running starting to put together our coaching programs so we're already having applications for our coaching program starting in the new year for managers or leaders folks who are interested in just getting out of the burnout and trauma and figuring out a different approach um, through dei for their workspaces so connect with me as well perfect we're so glad that you came with us today Jasmine, is there anything that you would like to add before we close today not too much. I genuinely really enjoyed the conversation today. I feel like it gives me a new energy to take away <laughs> with me into this work because it is hard work. It and is. So if you're in this space and you're passionate about DEI as well, please share this with people so that they can, you know, start to 
marinate on how they're going to connect to DEI because we really want to create that ripple effect in the world. So please share this and we will be putting this into a podcast format soon as well. And so we know that not everyone can be here live on the LinkedIn. So stay tuned for that because you'll be able to access all of these via podcast. Yeah, starts January 4th, actually. It'll start with the launch event that Dr. Carrie Ann was also a part of uh, when we first launched a while ago. So those podcasts will start uh, coming out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts January 4th. Follow our page for announcements about that as well. So yes. Well, thank you everybody for joining today. Like Jasleen said, please share this with anybody who you think might find it valuable. And we will look forward to seeing you after the new year. Yes, stay safe. concludes today's episode. If you want to help us disrupt the tech industry to increase the representation of diverse talent, please register and subscribe at our website, jobdisruptors.com. Also, please subscribe and leave a review for the podcast and share with DEI champions and diverse talent alike. Here's to disrupting.